Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to KGMZ-FM and HD1 San Francisco on Odyssey Station. Presented by DuckDuckGo. Privacy Simplified. Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game. Nine seconds, six seconds. Crowd roaring its approval right now here at Chase Center. What a comeback for the Warriors down 19th. The shot clock violation. And Poole says, let's hear it. And they respond. Doncic will catch the inbound. Fired it to the rim. No good. Ball game over. The Warriors are going to Dallas, leading two games to none. After giving up 72 points in the first half, the Warriors clamp down the Mavs in the third. And they win 126-117. to 117. Before tonight, there have been only four other franchises that have 200 playoff victories. The Lakers, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Spurs. And now, I know you'd never thought you'd hear this, the Golden State Warriors. Well, I don't know about you, but I am loving this game every other day schedule in the Western Conference Finals. By the way, Brian, I'm getting a little uh, mix-minus slapback. I'm hearing my, myself here when I talk. If we can address that, that would be super. Getting y'all set, properly stretched for Game 3 today in Dallas. Kyle Madsen and me, Kevin Michael, Whitey Gleason. 888-957-9570 is a number for you to share your thoughts today, your hopes and dreams, in fact. And Kyle, have you seen anything in the first two games of this series that surprised you or has left you looking at this series differently than maybe you did before it all started, sir? Happy Sunday, by the way. Yeah, happy Sunday, Whitey. Super stoked. Real quick, I want to get to that, what Tim Roy said in the intro there. Yeah. Where the Warriors are now one of five NBA franchises with 200 playoff victories, which is unreal given where we were just during the We Believe season. Like 15-year anniversary of We Believe was this year. And it was like, man, that is the pinnacle of Warriors basketball that might just that might be it. <laughs> we might have we might have peaked as as a franchise, but I was I was sitting there at game two with with Dan Dibley, the great Dan Dibley, and I said, man, because I, I grew up a big fan of Dibs, and I said, man, I don't know what would have been weirder if I had gone back and told twenty year old Kyle 
you know, back in 2010, like, hey, one day you're going to be at a Warriors Western Conference Finals game with Dan Dibley. Whether it would have been cooler that I was going to be with Dibs or that the Warriors were in the Western Conference Finals and now they're here, like, it's again. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, they're just back. Um, it's it's pretty unbelievable. But to get to your question, um, I the Warriors have dominated more than I thought they would. I did not think that they were going to come out and, and win as kind of convincingly as they did. And I know they got down so big on Friday night, but that game never felt out of control. It never felt out of hand. And as the Warriors just kind of chipped away in the second quarter, I think that I think the deficit was 14 at the half. It was like they're fine. Like they they I, I never felt like that game got away from them. I'll tell you what impressed me the most about the comeback in just a second. But first, since you mentioned Tim Roy and the fact that the uh, Warriors now have 200 postseason wins, one of five franchises. Kyle, you're on the spot here. Can you name me the team that is next in line? Because we have the Lakers with 456, the the Boston Celtics at 391 postseason wins, Sixers at 241, the Spurs with 222, which is incredible because they've only been in the league since 77, so they spotted everybody else like 30 years. <laughs> then the Warriors at 200. So who's next with 188? And I will tell you this before you answer. There's one team with 188. There's two teams with 187. And I missed. My guess was one of the teams at 187. But who do you think, Kyle? Who is next up? Who's next closest to the 200 postseason wins with 188 as a franchise? It feels like it has to be the Miami Heat. I wouldn't say that if I were you. Okay. <laughs> the the heat the heat were the first the first one that jumped into my head just because it feels like they are in the playoffs every single year. Yeah, they're an expansion team though, so they another team that hasn't been around oh, long yeah, enough. Yeah, God, that's it's true, actually huh? at one eighty eight. It's Detroit, and uh, then at one eighty one eighty seven. It's the Bulls and the Knicks, and Knicks had been my guess, but anyway, it is remarkable that the Warriors two hundred postseason wins and counting. Uh, as you said, incredible comeback in the last game. I thought what was really impressive, Kyle, and you kind of touched on this, the Warriors were so far behind. With 19 down, and then they cut it to 14. Luka made that big three. But still, big deficit, and yet they were able to come back in the second half without exerting so much energy that once they caught Dallas, they went flat. You know, you see that sometimes in the NBA. Teams way behind, they scramble, they catch up, they're just like, oh, we're exhausted. They won that game going away. They would have won that game if you play another quarter by 15 or 20. Right, and it wasn't it wasn't one of those comebacks where it's like, hey, they were down 14, and then you blink, and it's a two-point game. Like, it was 14, they got it to 11, it stayed at 11 for a while, they go, you know, back and forth, and then they cut it to nine, and it was a nine for a bit, and they get it to six, and it was a six. It was just, and that's, that's why, that's why I, I think the big takeaway for me was that was a dominant effort from the Warriors despite a slow start. Like take out take out the first quarter and they just really like they were just the better team for for most of that game with Draymond Green not playing well, with Klay Thompson once again not shooting it great. And I I I I think the fact that Golden State just kind of just chipped away, kept at it and just played their game didn't yep. need some kind of nuclear a performance from Steph or Clay or Jordan Poole to just kind of chip away. They played their game. They stuck to their game plan. And like you said, they pulled away in a game where they were down 19 at one point. That's that's tough to do. Steve Kerr knows his team so well. 
And apparently at halftime, he told them, look, if we just settle down, and I think he was talking primarily to Draymond, by the way, settle down, maintain our composure and our poise, we're going to get back in this game. And because you, they, as you said, they played warrior basketball and they stuck to what they had to do. They had plenty of energy, not only to come from behind and catch them, but then to win that game going away. Although it did get a little dicey down the stretch. It was a, what, like a two possession game last couple of minutes, but now the series back to Dallas. Kyle, let's touch on today's breaking news real quick. First of all, the good news Andrew Wiggins went through shoot-around this morning, as you probably know. Mm -hmm. So he's going to play in game three. He says he feels good. Woo! What a relief that is, right? The the fact that when the news came out, I got Anthony Slater's tweet that said, Andrew Wiggins is questionable with ankle soreness. I was like, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they beat Dallas without Andrew Wiggins on the court, which is insane given where we were on Andrew Wiggins six months ago. I just I didn't think they had a shot. So thank God he's playing. And it's so important everything that they're doing, obviously, at both ends of the floor. So we'll see if the ankle injury compromises him. He's been attacking on offense and working Lucas so hard. Somebody on the text line today, 888-957-9570, was pointing out that what Wiggins is doing is similar to what we saw from Andre Iguodala in the finals when they played LeBron every year, right? Iguodala's job was whatever you do during the regular season, fine. Just make sure that when the playoffs arrive, you're ready to chase down LeBron. Mm -hmm. And that's what Wiggins has been doing so far. So uh, it's been incredible. And he also made some big shots last game. He's uh, shooting the three ball real well at a time when they really need that. But he's just taking it upon himself to lead the charge against Luka. And he's he's not only doing that because I thought what he did against Memphis was it was the hustle plays, right? He had a couple of big shots in game six, but it was the hustle plays, getting a couple extra possessions here and there, um, having a good defensive possession here and there. Here against Dallas, he's just been, I don't want to say dominant because it's not like he's going for 40, but he's he's just excellent defensively. He's doing everything right offensively. He's still rebounding. He's still making those hustle plays. But now he's he's going out and he's saying, I'm going to check the guy that coming into this series. The, it was like, man, is Luka the best offensive player? Is there any player in the league that you want if you're starting a franchise outside of Luka? And that that's still the case. Like He's still very good. But Andrew Wiggins has taken on this challenge of, of checking him, like at half court. Mm-hmm. He's just doing things. That, and we thought Mikael Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson – Chris Paul, like we thought Jay Crowder, we thought the Suns were a team that was like, man, they could throw just a ton of bodies at Luka and really make it tough. And the Warriors, they're throwing different bodies and different looks at Luka for sure. But the fact that it's just Andrew Wiggins going, yeah, hey, man, go get him. Like, go get a stop. Go make go make life hard on this excellent player. And he's doing it. It's just, it's unbelievably impressive to me. Yeah, and he has not really been in foul trouble, which is impressive as yeah. Rich points out. Um, I don't know how he's doing that, but it's been incredible. By the way, just between us here, I, I know he's a fine scorer and everything. I'm I'm out on Luca. You're I don't out about you. I'm oh, out no. totally. <laughs> I'm way way out <laughs> on on Luca. Why? Because he just bugs me. And part of it is, if I may, um, I was on last week. I was in for Damon, and I was talking to Ratto about you know the Warriors and the Mavericks, and I said, look, Luca's. Um, I'm not saying he sucks or anything, but he's not good enough to beat the Warriors by himself, and I think he's overrated. 
And the show tweeted that. And then somehow some fans in Dallas, I don't know how they picked up on it, and they started tweeting Luca like, oh, we're going to tell Luca, watch out now. It's like, oh, my goodness. But it got really nasty. Oh, you know no. how fans can get. Some of these Dallas fans got a little nasty about it. So then when, you know, he's going off in game two and they're up 19, I'm thinking, this is not going well. And then, of course, the Warriors came back, and I haven't heard from any of those people since. So that's not really Luca's fault. But I just it, – it, I had a thought after that last game, which I shared with John Dickinson. If you take Luca's twin seven – you know, the 77 on his jersey, you turn that upside down, what do you get? You get two L's, which wow. is what he has so far in the series. Wow. So I, I am out out on Mr. My shoulder hurts and I was up all night and I didn't feel good and the referees don't like me. <laughs> well, so a couple things. I think part of the reason that, that I'm still like, yeah, Luca's fine is because the Mavs haven't won a game in this series yet. So I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to be really bothered by them, but I'm still in on Luca. I think he's just, he is a remarkable player. Like I said, if I'm starting a team from scratch, He's on the short list of guys that I'm taking to start that team. Um, but the the notion that like Luca can't beat the Warriors by himself I, is very true. The Warriors are just too good. They're oh, too yeah. deep for one guy to just take over a game. I mean, even even LeBron in the in the 2016 finals, like Kyrie needed to get to this superhuman level for for them to to beat Golden State. But to to your point in game two, it wasn't only Luca. Luka got his 42, Jalen Brunson had 31, Reggie Bullock had 21, the Mavs hit 21 of 45 from beyond the arc. Like, that's the game the Mavs want to play. The Mavs got the the best of both worlds with Luka going off and Bullock shooting the heck out of the ball and Jalen Brunson scoring the heck out of the ball, and they still, they still <laughs> couldn't hold on to a 19-point lead. I just don't know. Yeah, I don't he- know what else Dallas is supposed to do. Well, one thing they have, they have to stop the Warriors at some point, which we'll look at in just a moment here. But as far as Luka goes, and I know Luka is a great scorer. He's not a very good defender. I think he's gotten better in all fairness. Mm-hmm. Not a great shooter. Made some big time shots. You know, that shot at the end of the half, which we've talked about already, was remarkable. He just, he gets these numbers that are incredible in part. And I know it's not just because he has a ball all the time, but he would be hard to play with. Because he is so mm-hmm. ball dominant. And that's what he's supposed to do. And that's the way it's set up. So I'm not saying he's selfish. That's just the way it's set up. So I think some people get carried away by his numbers and maybe think he's better than he is. And I think that, yeah, that some people think, Luca, oh boy, he's the best player left to, in the playoffs. And he can beat the worst by himself. And I, I don't think so. So anyway, this is interesting too, Kyle. Uh, that was the seventh time that Luca had scored 40 or more in the postseason as a Maverick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. That ties... Um, Dirk, the great Dirk Nowitzki for most all time. So he's probably wow. going to break that. However, seven times he scored 40 or more. The Mavs have only won two of those games. Now, that's not really a knock on Luka, but I think it shows that when they need him to score that many, it shows that they ain't getting enough from the other guys to, to win playoff games. Yeah, the thing that makes Luka, to me, it's not just the numbers. It's the fact that, like, when he gets, he's so good at getting to his spots. And he's so good when he gets that step back and he gets to go to his left with a step back. And he's just, he's he's deadly. So that's to me what, when when he puts the ball up on the rim, it's like, man, that's going in. I, I just, I always think that his shot is going in 
no matter where he's at, whether he's working in the low post, whether he's working in the mid-range, whether he's shooting it from outside, I just always think it's going to go in. And then he's so big and strong. I mean, he got to the line 15 times in game two, and that's that's where I think things get dicey for the Warriors. They're getting guys in foul trouble, and if if Luka's getting to the line, he's he's getting those easy points. That's That's why he's scary to me. But like I said, I just don't know. He goes he goes five of ten from three. You got Dorian Finney Smith going three of six from three. You get Reggie Bullock going six of ten. Jalen Brunson's five of seven. Like if you just showed me those numbers from game two, like the, the Warriors didn't win that. Like that's Luca playing well and then the surrounding cast also playing really well. And I their just, problems are yeah. I was just gonna say their problems are clearly at the other end. Yes. Uh, real quickly here. I don't know that I've ever seen this before. Game one. Warriors win 112-87. The Warriors made 46 of 82 shots, 56.1%. 46 of 82 shots. Game two, the Warriors win 126-117. to 117. The Warriors made 46 of 82 shots. Wow. They shot 56.1%. And that's another reason why the Warriors were able to come back from so far down. You see this in the NBA. Sometimes Team A knows that Team B, they can't stop us. They can't guard us. And so if Team A gets way behind against Team B, it's okay. They know that we don't have to press. We can come back. And that's what happened. Dallas, they really needed their defense to gain traction in the series for them to win. And I know it's only two games. We saw the success they had with some of their traps and taking the ball out of Devin Booker's hands. But they try to run the Warriors up the three-point line. And what are the Warriors getting? It's like, hello, Layup line. Hello, Kevon Looney. Here you go. Here's a layup for you. So Dallas has a lot to figure out as far as that goes. Um, that's where they're really in trouble. I agree with I could not agree with anything more than what you just said about the Warriors and foul trouble, you know, as the series goes back to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting any conspiracies or you know, whatever. We just know if you've watched the NBA a long time, and we all have. Sometimes games are officiated differently depending on where they're played. And I could yes. see tonight, and you know, it happened a little bit early in the last game, but, oh, Draymond, he's got two fouls early. And, oh, Steph, that's a bad foul. And that's what happened in, what, game four against Denver. So I mm-hmm. hope it doesn't happen, but I can see that would be one path for the Mavs today to get back into the series. Yeah, I just don't know. Getting back to the Mavs' defense, and you're right, they're doing everything they can to run the Warriors off the line. And Golden State is so good at just taking what the defense gives them. I think they've been much better in the turnover category this series. They only had 13 in game two. In game one, they had 15. 15. And Kyle, in the, in the second half, they only had five of the last game. You're right. They only had five in the second half. Yeah, not a coincidence that they were so much better in the second half yeah. than they were in the first. So when they're doing that, they're just making the simple pass, making the right read, Making the correct extra pass, which I think is important with this team because how many times do we see them go to make an extra pass that's wholly unnecessary? It's like you got a lane to the rim, up, oh, going to jump, try and kick it out, throw it to the wrong team. It's a break the other way. I feel like that happens four times a game, but they've been mm-hmm. better at that against Dallas, and I'm just not 100% sure when Dallas has Maxi Kleba on the floor or Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Those aren't like they're they're longer guys, but they're not they're not these awesome defenders that it's like, oh man, when Davis Bertans is on Steph, like Steph's gonna have to get rid of <laughs> you know, so there's just too many guys that they can just ISO and cook and get to the rim and now the Mavs are scrambling. The Warriors just present problems that a team like Phoenix or Utah don't. And I'm not a hundred percent sure what Dallas is supposed to do about it, just because I don't think they have enough 
players who can guard all the players the Warriors have. They really don't have, top to bottom, a great roster. They're a little bit ahead of schedule. You know, they traded Porzingis, uh, and they got Bertans and, and, and Dinwiddie. And then, so they're still trying to figure some things out. And I think for them, it's like, wow, we're in the conference finals. That's pretty good. But I just don't think they thought, you know, they're, this roster is not built to win now in the conference finals. To their credit, they're here. But the Warriors have just a much more complete uh, roster than Dallas does right now. Well, and that's what I thought was... It was definitely recency bias, and I think there's a little bit in the in the kind of national analysis, the the overarching national analysis. And this wasn't the only talking point, but I heard a lot of people say, like, "Oh, the the Mavs are just deeper than the Warriors right now. The Mavs have a deeper roster right. than Golden State. I'm taking the Mavs because they have it." And maybe right. it's maybe it's fatigue with Golden State and being tired of talking about them. And maybe it was excitement over like, oh man, the Mavs beat the beat the Suns. Like, watch out! But it's like they don't have a. Di- what are you talking no. about? Like, yeah, I'm sorry, Maxi Kleba is a nice little player. Spencer Dinwiddie is a nice little player, but g- guess what? Thirty out of thirty teams are taking Jordan Poole over Spencer Dinwiddie. What are you mm-hmm. doing? You know, Maxi yeah. Kleba is fine. Like, he's fine. He's fine. But Maxi Kleba is like Walmart brand Clay Thompson. You know, it just it's not it's not the same. <laughs> I just I never bought into that idea that that Dallas was deeper than Golden State. Th- th- like I said, I think it was recency bias with the Sun series, and I think it was people being tired of talking about Golden State. But Golden State's reminding people right now, like, yeah, hey, this is this team seven, eight, nine guys deep. Maxi Kleber is fine. I like Maxi Kleber. Fi- <laughs> yeah, they, fine. Yeah, they need He's him. He's fine. They they need him to do some things starting tonight that he may not be capable of doing. That said, you know, the series goes back to Dallas, so we'll see. I think it's really interesting. You look at what Dallas has done so far in, in the postseason. First, they played Utah, and oh boy, and Luka was hurt early. Um, uh, but they won anyway. One of the things they did was they compromised Gobert because Utah has that big, and they got him into drop coverage, and we've seen that. It's like Warrior fans know all too well. You get him in drop coverage, and it's like he's, he's ineffective. So then they played another team with bigs, and they were able to compromise of Phoenix's guards and neutralize their bigs. I think JaVale McGee, they ended up getting him off the floor. But now Dallas yeah. can't do that against yeah. the Warriors, right? I think that, you know, I'm one of the people that said, oh, the Warriors are really going to wish they had a big. And right now it's pretty apparent, not only in this series, but you look at the teams in the East, I think they're going to be okay in that regard. I don't think they're necessarily going to miss uh, having a legitimate center no matter where they end up going in this series or in the next round. Yeah, if they play Boston in the finals, if Robert Williams is healthy, I think he'll present a little bit of a problem. But, like, Dwight Powell's been useless in this series. He mm-hmm. played seven minutes in game two. I would be interested to see if if the Mavs try and throw, like, Marquise Chris out there. Just to put some, give them some Bo-bon. athleticism. Oh, Bon, Oh, Bon, So, so, mm-hmm. sure, like just to, but I think the Warriors are, I mean, very quickly run yeah, Bobon off before. But a guy like Marquise Chris, it's like, yeah, it's athleticism. It's a little bit of size. Maybe poses a, a problem in a five or eight minute stretch. I'd be interested to see if Dallas plays him to just try and get some extra size and athleticism on the floor because, like, Maxi Kleba and Davis Berton just aren't aren't getting it done like it's just not working yeah Boban is great isn't he who's your mustard you need anything he's else very fun. i can, I can I reach it he, i love that he leans into it like he's not like no i want to be known yeah. as a basketball he's like yeah no i'm tall and goofy looking yeah i'll do a costco yeah. commercial come on and the coasters i mean that's brilliant work and why are we gonna have coasters if nobody gonna use them oh he's so great. good 
Yeah. Um, your point about Robert Williams III is a really good one. He's uh, my point is only that he's he's only six ten, but you're right. I mean, and Warrior fans know that from what happened in Kyle Madsen's first Warrior game that he ever Just went brutal. to. I'm two yeah. zero in the playoffs, though, Whitey. Two well, zero in the good. playoffs. That's big time for me. Yeah. Well, you know, the only way you you snap that jinx though is you got to go back to a game against the Celtics, and hopefully you'll get your chance. Hopefully Boy. the worst get there. And after last night, I don't even know if Boston's gonna get there. Yeah, that was that was shocking. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stray too far from the Warriors today. Mm-hmm. But when I first checked that score, I was out running a quick errand, and I I pull up into my driveway. Great story. I, Great story. Yeah, yeah. No, you're welcome. Uh, I went to grocery outlet bargain market. If you must know, gets and, better and better. Mm-hmm. And yes. I, bought, I bought tater tots. I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> so I don't know about what you. Are you doing? When I get when I get when I get into my I was buying dinner, Brian. Uh, when I got when I got into my driveway, I always check like my phone. I sit in the driveway for like three minutes, and so I yeah. check the score. It's twenty four to seven, and then like it just never really got better until until you know pushed into the second half and late in the game. But I, Miami dominating the way they did early, and then also being able to close it out after they tricked the lead to me was very very impressive. Couple of quick thoughts here on the text line, 888-957-9570. From the 415, why be hating on him? Luke is 23. He's historically good. Warrior fan here anyways. And I get that. Luke is a guy I don't think I'm ever going to root for. But if and when, you know, he's done playing, at some point he'll be done, I'm going to miss him. I don't root for him, but I, I love watching him play. I do think people get a little carried away with all the Lucaness, but I get it, and and you're right. From the 510, Franz Wagner would be the X factor in this series. Wagner. That's it. That was a cheap shot at me because I said the Warriors should draft Franz Wagner, who, by the way, Kyle, as you probably know, was just named first-team All-NBA rookie. Yep. Right? That, that is a— Right? I think he that's, stinks. No, that's, that's huge for you and a, uh, a validation of your take. <laughs> uh, however, uh, just, just speaking of rookies real quick, and I know we're, we're up against it, but Moses Moody not only getting into the rotation, but, like, he— effectively closed the game for Golden State. Like, I know he wasn't on the court when the buzzer hit zero, but he was he was on the court for the most important minutes of that game and mm-hmm. was not, was he, was he phenomenal? Like, oh my God, Moses, no. But he wasn't a disaster. He made the right play. Um, he had a really nice tip out uh, to, to, to get an extra possession on the offensive end. Uh, he was, he was good defensively. I think not only did he did he take Damian Lee's spot, but I think you're going to see Moses Moody play play more important minutes moving forward. He's very mm-hmm. very good. I agree with you. Uh, he played he played nine and a half minutes, and they were obviously in that game. Those were major minutes, high leverage minutes. He played really well. It's a great point. Brace yourself now because <clears throat> excuse me, I'm you mentioned up. it. You mentioned Damian Lee, and the last couple of days I've been on with JD, and the, at the mention of Damian Lee, I mean, you just get this torrent of why is he even on the team? That's so, a I don't know. <laughs> we we may be dealing with some of that. That's fine if we have to deal with that. Uh, we will, but I'm with you. I think right now, you know, Damian Lee did not play well in the last game, and I think Moses Moody probably has those minutes uh, for now, which speaks obviously glowingly, if you will, of uh, of the Warriors' future. Real quick here, I know we're going to take a timeout, but I mentioned there were two pieces of breaking news, and I only got to the Wiggins story. We also have the NBA fining the Dallas Mavericks again for their third bench decorum violation of 
the postseason. You saw Steph throwing the ball to I don't know, Hardaway or Theo Pinson, who was then popping a sweater like, ha ha, got you. Apparently, the NBA does not take too kindly to that. So Mavs <laughs> find again for their bench antics. Is it a bad look or is this really much ado about nothing? That more coming up. Also, the Warriors, can they win without Wiggins? And since when is that a question? We're just getting warmed up. For Game 3 here, thanks for being with us, Kyle Madsen and me, Whitey Gleason, on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. the run for Moses Moody here in the second half. Curry cut off by Doncic. Bounce pass to Moody. Fakes the three. Puts it on the deck. Drives in. Left hand layup. Good. Moses Moody with a big time bucket. How about that? Love it. 114 to 106. His first basket of the game. Now back to 95-7 the game. I'm Kevin Michael Whitey Gleason coming to you from my home COVID bubble. He's Kyle Madsen, and he had tater tots for dinner last night. And together, uh, we are Whitey Gleason and Kyle Madsen getting you ready for game three. Very excited about game three of the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, two pieces of breaking news today regarding the series. The first, of course, Wiggins is a go. Steve Kerr said after practice, Wiggins will play, dealing with sprained ankle. Wiggins says he feels fine, so we'll see. The Warriors have been relying on him so much. We'll see if he can chase Luka around and continue to attack the basket the way he has, but that's good news. And then, Kyle, the other news, somewhat newsworthy, um, the Mavericks find again for their bench decorum, their third bench decorum violation of the postseason. This after, among other things, uh, we had some Dallas players standing right near the court from uh, on their bench wearing white sweatshirts or sweaters, and we had Steph Curry throwing the ball to a Dallas Maverick uh, during the last game because he thought the guy was so close to the floor, he thought it was a, was a teammate. That was So remember the play where Damian Lee um, got flipped over by Davis Bertans? When, yes, I'll never when, forget it. Uh, right, right. It was uh, a huge highlight in the game. So when when that happened, the thing that that I that I noticed above all else was how many Mavericks were standing around that play. And I initially thought that that Lee tripped on one of them because it was just a mass of bodies so close to the court. And this is the third time this has happened now. Like, figure it out. <laughs> Um, right. and, 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 you know, it's not just a decorum thing. It's not just a, oh, that's not how it's a, it's starting to affect the game and that's not okay. And it's a player safety issue as well. Potentially right. if the players there on the Dallas sideline, if they're not giving players room to come down, um, two things that bug me about it. One, I don't think they're going to change it. Apparently word out of Dallas is Mark Cuban feels like, yeah, it's fine. We'll pay the fines. 
and Dallas feels like maybe they're gaining some kind of edge here because Utah complained about it. Um, we also had the Suns complain about it. And now it looks like I think the reports that Joe Lacob may have gone to the league and said, hey, you know, we got to keep an eye on this. So I think Dallas actually is enjoying it. Uh, then the other thing that bugs me is it's, Jason it's working Kidd when well. he talked about it's it. It's working well for the them second so far. Fine. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, Jason Kidd talked about it like, oh, we're cheering for each other and they don't like that. And it's just so disingenuous. Obviously, that's not what the league has an issue with. It's players standing on the freaking court. That's where the league has an issue. So the fact that they can't even acknowledge that, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you're right. We got to stay back. But instead, they're painting themselves as victims like, oh, the league is looking at the wrong thing. What's wrong with us cheering for each other? That really sickens me. I did think Steve Kerr did a great job yesterday when he was asked about this, and he said, oh, yeah, I think it's great cheering on your team. That's terrific. You know, if it starts to affect the game, I'm not crazy about that stuff, but yeah. So I thought he did a really good job of not taking the bait and then the league today reacting with another fine of the Mavericks, but it's not going to matter because they don't care about these fines. Yeah, no, I think that, like, yeah, we're going to keep doing it. It's giving us an advantage in this series where we're down two games to none. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah. It's, it's super work. It, like if that's what you have to resort to and I get the gamesmanship, I'm not do, do whatever you have to do to try and, you know, gain an edge within the rules, but this is clearly not within the rules. So, so knock it off, but ha- figure out how to win mm-hmm. on the court instead of going like, Hey, we can't win. So what we're going to do is we're going to wear their color on the sideline and we're going to stand too close to the court. And we're going to like, just kind of, you know, casually make our way onto the court uh, here and there to try and to try and mess with the game and muck up the game like that's stupid like go win it with the players you have the five guys you have on the court you know when it when the Warriors are shooting from in front of the Dallas bench and those guys want to yell and clap and you know tr- that's fine but when you start stepping in the way or getting in the way like you mm-hmm. said it's a player safety issue and, and it, it's it's cheating at that point and that's lame yeah, what was really lame, too, was, you know, there was two players there. Steph threw the ball either to Hardaway or to, I think it's Theo Pinson, depending on which story you read. One of them was standing up. I think Pinson was standing up, and I think Hardaway actually ended up catching the ball. Either way, they both got up, and they almost started with their sweaters, like, jersey popping, like, ha-ha, I got you. And I thought, how stupid are you that you're actually advertising to the league what you're doing? Right. right. Uh, look, we got Tri- yeah, because we're wearing white. Tricked you, but they just don't care. They don't care. What if they are get you fined, doing? So. It's a clown show. Yeah, Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr. was standing. I thought it was. I thought he was a coach. The way he was like standing mm-hmm. the entire game and like moving up and down the sideline. And like you said, when when they're cheering for their guys, fine. Like that's great. Do that. That's why sports are fun. But stay the mm-hmm. hell out of the way. Stay the hell out of the game. You're on the bench. Yeah. Right, right. Especially with Wiggs already has, uh, you know, the the bum wheel. We don't want him getting tangled up with somebody over there. Oh, by the way, did you see, speaking of all the back and forth, in Dallas's bench, they're, they're kind of known for this, and they've been rubbing people the wrong way just with their things they've been saying for a long time. But did you see, you mentioned Bertans, did you see when... Uh, when Jordan Poole put him in the popcorn machine, as Chick Hearn used to say, goes right by him and lays at it, and then just stares him down and starts yelling at him. Did you notice that? That was pretty interesting. I, I did not, but given that Bertans was the one at the center of that, yeah. the famed, the infamous play with Damian Lee on the sideline, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised that the Warriors go at him the rest of the series. A, because he can't guard anybody, but B, to to kind of you know fight back in a way. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so tonight, game three. The good mm-hmm. news on Wiggins is that, yeah, and as someone points out in the text line, we know Warriors have announced that he's going to be cleared. I didn't know about his injury, Kyle, actually, until you, and I guess you were getting tater tots or what have you, you actually texted me. And it was a really interesting text because you pointed out your first reaction was, no, Wiggins? Oh, no, which is an understandable reaction. But it seems like there was a time not that long ago where we wouldn't have that visceral a reaction, which just speaks to the way Wiggins over the last several weeks and certainly in the postseason is showing us that he's vitally important to anything these Warriors are going to get done this year. He has been, through two games, their most important player, I think. And that's not to take away from from Steph Curry. Like, Steph was just, he was phenomenal. Vintage Steph uh, on on Friday night. But what, what Wiggins is doing defensively, both as an individual and then what that allows the Warriors to do playing team defense has been essential to slowing down a Mavericks team that was just scorching hot coming in. And so I just, I, I, I could the Warriors win without him? Like, yeah, of course. But it it's really hard to draw a path to a Warriors win um, without Andrew Wiggins in the mix. And like I said, six months ago, Andrew Wiggins being out would have been akin to like, okay, Sean Livingston's out. Like, yeah, that's that you know that that makes oh it a little boy. tougher. Yeah. That makes it a little mm-hmm. tougher, but not no disrespect. I, lo- I love Sean Livingston. I have a jersey, uh, but it, you know, it's like it makes it tougher, but you can overcome it. But now it's like I don't know what they would do if they didn't have Andrew Wiggins. What do you think of this from the tech signer, Kyle? It's Whitey Gleason, Kyle Madsen, ninety-five seven. The game from the five one zero. Sounds like the NBA needs one of those get back coaches. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Just a That's guy, just a guy over there yeah. in in his in his slacks and a tight polo, just yeah. pushing guys, <laughs> pushing guys yeah. back. Get back, get back, get back. If I, look, here's the thing. I know Mark Cuban has has spent more money this year than I'll make in my life, but but if I'm Mark Cuban, the the fines are escalating. So it started at twenty five. It went to fifty. This was a hundred thousand dollar fine. The next one will be two hundred thousand dollars. If I'm Mark Cuban, even though my team might only have two or three games left, I'm I'm the get back coach. I'm like, hey man, mm-hmm. we've got fi- you're we're getting fined for this. Next one's two hundred k. That's expensive. Get off the court. Yeah, that's but he's what I'd right be doing. There. He's almost on the court too. I think he feels like this is some kind of team building exercise or something. And he's almost standing right there on the court as well, which I know has to be especially annoying to other owners around the league. He knows what he's doing. I'm not a big fan of it. And hopefully we could just move on. But it is very annoying. Somebody on the text line says the Warriors are skilled. Boston is young. The Heat are intimidating. The Mavs are annoying. Good job, Mark Cuban. That's from Justin. Thank you, Justin. Text of the day nominee, Kyle. Yeah, Justin crushed it. Great job. Couldn't agree more. Let's see. 888-957-9570. And people are wondering about Wiggins. Yeah, Wiggins is supposed to go tonight. We were talking last segment, Kyle, about the whole issue of depth, um, which is it looks now kind of ludicrous that so many people were saying, well, Dallas has that depth. Here's here's some numbers from the last game um, bench production uh, because there's just such a drop-off right now with Dallas. And, again, maybe things change tonight. You go back home and your others play better, blah, blah, blah. Uh, last game, Warrior Bench outscored the Dallas Bench 36-13, to 13, but that's only part of the story. Warrior Bench shot 12-17 of 17 from the floor, and the Mavs Bench, they were 5-18 of 18 from the floor. And you can almost see it where they go to the bench and they're just looking for answers. Can anybody get out there and hold their own for just a few minutes. Whereas the Warriors had Jordan Poole. And how about fourth quarter Porter Otto Porter Jr., baby? 
This is a much deeper team than the Mavs. Yeah, and and maybe not like is is Spencer Dinwiddie more skilled than Otto Porter Jr.? Yeah, probably. But remember last year what we complained about so much at the Warriors was their basketball IQ. It's like, man, they just make the wrong play time and time again. And a guy like Otto Porter so rarely makes the wrong play. He's always where he needs to be defensively. He's always making the right decision offensively. I'd like to see him shoot it a little more. He passes up a lot of open looks from three that I that I think the Warriors would like him to take. But right now, it's it's pretty hard to nitpick. You have Jordan Poole, who's been, I think, excellent. He he wasn't shooting it as well, so he just started going to the rack because the, the Mavs are going to roll out a red carpet for him every single time because there's nobody that they have that can check him on the perimeter. Um I, I I think what the Warriors have been able to do off the bench has has redefined this strength in numbers mantra that, that carried them to titles in the earlier part of the decade. You know a lot of people now. Later part of the last already, decade. Yeah, I gotcha. We're good. Yeah, too many tater tots will do that. Um we <laughs> I think we've already heard from some people here on the text line about Kuminga. Again, Wiggins says he's fine and he's supposed to play, and hopefully he'll be fine and we won't know that there's anything wrong with him. But if he is hobbled at all, slowed down at all, some people say, ooh, you got to get Kuminga in there. And I I don't think so, Kyle. I, You know, I, we just – these players are not interchangeable. I mean, some people yeah. want to say, oh, if Lee's out, put Kuminga in there. It's like they're not even the same type of player. Uh, I just think it would be a lot to ask. We won't spend a lot of time on it because I don't think it's going to happen. If Andrew Wiggins is slowed down at all tonight, hopefully he won't be. But I don't think it's going to be, hey, Kuminga, you go out there and do what Wiggins has done the last couple games because I don't think that would be fair. He's not capable of doing that. No, not yet anyway. Like it's just so clear. He's gotten so much better throughout the season. But it's so clear that the game is still half a step fast. And in in these Western Conference Finals games, you know, a stretch of three or four minutes where he loses his his the the player he's defending two, three, four possessions, like that could swing the game. And so I, I get what he brings. I get, especially when they're in a little offensively, it's like, man, get Kaminga out there. He's great in the dunker spot. He can cut, he can, you know, he can fly. Um, I get why people want to see him in there and why you'd logically go, well, the Warriors are a little bit slow right now. Get some speed in there and some athleticism in Kaminga. I just don't think he's quite ready to impact a series consistently in a positive way. And that's why I think we're going to see. I I think that's moving forward why we're going to see Moody. Yeah. The fines for Cuban would be like if Kyle got fined one tot, two tots, and then four tater tots in comparison. It's nothing. That's from the 925. I think that now maybe is at the leaderboard for text of the day. Really Nominee, what do you think of that, Kyle? Yeah, no, it's really, like that that's, that's really, really good. Um, <laughs> I'm now out of tots, though. So being fined four tots, I'd be in the hole four tots. I would you need know, to I make another you, run to the store. Yeah. I think you and I have talked about this on the show in the about past. This. Yeah, there is such a thing as like cheese tots. I've never had one because I think if I had one, that would be the only thing I would ever eat for the rest of my life. Well, you have self-respect, Whitey. (laughs) That's what this this comes down to. And maybe when you were in college, the tater tot was not as popular as it is now. But I got to tell you, going to the store, buying a bag of tots, throwing them in the oven, and right about the time they're done – just dumping a bag of cheddar cheese on top and throwing them back in the wow. oven for a few minutes to let that cheese melt and crisp up a little bit. That's it's hard time. to beat when you're 21 years old and 12 Coors Lights deep. 
Yeah. No, I I would. I'm serious. I don't know if I if I was introduced to those. I think that would be the only thing I would ever eat the rest of my life. It sounds a little too good. It's like ah, I'm scared how good uh, that would be. Speaking of you know this decorum issue and the Mavericks getting fined again. I thought Steve Kerr had some interesting comments yesterday, and he was just he addressed this because he was asked about it. Steph Curry and the night night, which and I hadn't thought of this. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Some people around the league apparently are looking at that as, oh man, that's kind of is that taunting? Is that unsportsmanlike for Steph yes. Curry to be saying night night? Um, I never thought of it in that way. Steve Kerr says he gets away with it because. Uh, he enjoys that part of the show. There's a humility to Steph that people and fellow players around the league also recognize. So I think they respect him, and that's why he gets away with it, whereas some guys may not. What, is, what exactly is is uh, Steph getting away with, Kyle? No, he's taunting. That's the goal. Like, that's what <laughs> – you see when a player, like, goes in and backs a guy down and gets the layup and then does the too small thing or does the, you know, rocks the baby. Like, that's what this all is. And so when Steph, before the ball goes in, is saying night-night, <laughs> and then it splashes through, and then he's done the, you know, hands to the, the side of the head and, like, oh, it's, go to, go, it's time to go to sleep. That's what that is. That's super fun. Jai even, Jai even John Morant mm-hmm. quote tweeted it and said something about, like, oh, this is awesome. He used different, different words. But um, he, he basically <laughs> said, like, this is awesome. Like, yeah, it sucks if you're the opponent, but that's – like a little bit the goal right um there maybe there's some guys that could get away with it and there's some guys that couldn't i don't know but i think also there's this it's like when he does that um it's like you can't really find fault with it because he's right it's like yeah i just put you to sleep it's like you can't you can't get mad at it because like Ah, he did. There's, there's yeah. no recourse well, left for us. He put us to night night. Well, and it's not like he's shooting it and turning around and going, you suck and you suck and I hate you and this about this family member. Like, he's not doing that. It's all within the scope of on the court. It's not personal. It's a good type of trash talk. Like, I thought, I, I, I thought it was, I, I think it's great. I do, too, and I think it speaks to what Steph's been supplying uh, in this postseason. I thought in some ways, what was it, 6-10 of the last game beyond the arc? That was maybe the most Steph-like game we've had him see uh, have in, in a while. But in the fourth quarter, saw some numbers here. In the playoffs here, his first three quarters versus his fourth quarter. Uh, points per quarter, first three quarters, 6.2. Fourth quarter, 9.4. Three-point field goal percentage, first three quarters, 34%, fourth quarter, 42%. Even the, the free throw number's way up. And field goal percentage for Steph, first three quarters, 42. Uh, fourth quarter in these playoffs, 54%. Wow. Yeah, so fourth quarter Steph has definitely been a thing. And it's just the way he is. You almost don't even notice it. Those numbers, they don't surprise me because he's Steph, but they surprise me in a sense because I hadn't realized he was doing that. Yeah, it's just it, and it it look because it looks so different than it used to. His six of ten from three, like I think, what do you, what do you have four in the first half, four in the first quarter? He had I they think were was, all huge too. They were right. like keeping them in the game. Yes, huge. yeah. And then at the end of the game, he knows that the Mavs can't check him on the perimeter, so he's just getting to the rack, mm-hmm. getting easy shots. And I think that that evolution and that ability to close games in the paint, 
Um, I thought he uh, virtually closed game one with his with his big threes in the third quarter to really help Golden State pull away. So the three ball is still there. It's still effective. He has six of ten. And like you said, a lot of those really kept them in the game early. But he's been closing games by getting to the rim. He's bigger and stronger now, and he can he can do that. So it doesn't look the same, but it it's been really, really effective. From the 408 here, and we appreciate all the feedback at 888-957-9570. Uh, give us a call if you like as well. We'd love to ch- – or Kyle would like to talk with you. I'm, you know, I'm, we'll I'm both talk way. with you. I'll be the one that brings the call in, though. Yeah, Kyle wants to talk. You know, I'm, you know, I, I'm all right. I, I'm okay with it. Uh, Whitey's not a great the- conversationalist. <laughs> so, <laughs> can we talk about NBA players writhing in pain on the floor and then experiencing miraculous recoveries? Never liked an intentional football, international football. Pardon me, not intentional football. Uh, hate it in basketball. Looking at you, Marcus Martin, Jason Tatum yesterday, and then this person happens to mention a, a warrior uh, in parentheses that, that I agree with. Yeah, you know the. <sighs> Some of that is just trying to get him to review everything, right? I'm going to lay on the floor like I just got shot, and then at some point they're going to go to the table to review it. Maybe we get a, an easy flagrant one or two out of this, and then, okay, I'm good. I'm with you. I don't care for that. It's it's kind of a form of flopping, and I don't think it's a good look, Kyle. Yeah, it's not, but at the same time, I've just kind of gotten used to it to the point it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, It's like traffic in the Bay Area. Like you know, when you when you leave San Francisco at three thirty, why do you like, mention that? Were you were you late for an appointment or something at some point? Recently? I was a little <laughs> bit late to 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 the office today. It's fine. What? Um, yeah, no, that happens. You know it. But no, you when know I, it. you know when you when you leave at three thirty during the week from San Francisco and you got to get you got to get out to you know the Concord Antioch area. It's like you know what? I know I'm gonna sit in thirty thirty five minutes where the traffic. So like it is what it is. Uh, that's that's how I feel. Is it lame? Yeah, but I also think it's guys like. I don't think they're playing it up. I don't think they're. I think it's like, hey, I get to lay on the ground and rest for a minute. <laughs> I, I think that's that's a lot of what that is, and it's it's a little bit annoying, but it's not something that I'm gonna be like, I'm not watching anymore. Okay, well that's that's good to know. Yeah. What did you think on the Bertans Damian Lee thing? They ultimately called double tech. Um, just watching it, I thought that was a play on, and we had Saint totally on yesterday. Agree. Saint said the same thing. He said there was there was nothing there. I mean, I could understand maybe those guys got a little angry at each other, but Damian Lee wants to get back down court, and so does Berton. So one guy's trying to get over the other, and the, they stand up. You're going to get tangled up there. It has got. I understand the flagrant one, the flagrant two, and the importance of player safety. But and I know this is really cliche because everyone says it, but it really has gotten out of hand in these playoffs. Well, and and okay, let's go back to the Mavs bench decorum thing. Because that play happened right across from where I was standing at the time. And Damian Lee had to step over Bertans because there was nowhere else to go. Because all of the Mavs players were four millimeters from the court. Yeah. So Damian Lee comes across, tries to defend the shot. And he's then surrounded by 19 Mavs players and personnel. He's got nowhere to go. Like you said, he's trying to get up there, trying to get out and run off a make. And he has to step over Bertans. Bertans, as he's standing up, feels a body on top of him. He negatively reacts, as one is wont to do. And, you know, Damian Lee falls, and it's like, okay, hey, everybody settle down. But, yeah, play on. Let's go. Let's play. And so I I just – I think the refs assessed technicals because they felt like after reviewing it they had to do something. But I saw nothing there that should have warranted anything other than, okay, let's play. 
So Kyle was at the game. Already he's mentioned that a few times. So mm-hmm. Kyle goes also to the podcast. Also hosts the podcast. Did you get that Kyle, in yet? Yeah, Kyle has, <laughs> Kyle has a podcast. Perfect. And what's the uh, travel ball, right? I you did were play catcher. travel ball. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. No, thank you. I'm glad we Thanks got all those running. in. We got all those in pre-2 o'clock. That's what I wanted. That's great. Good job. Yeah. Nicely done. Draymond had a long, long leash, did he not? I mean, they, they were even joking about it during the telecast, <laughs> oh which I know you didn't, you didn't see the telecast because you were at the game. I know. I get that. Yeah, I know. I was there. Thank yeah. you for. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. But uh, Stan Van Gundy, in my book and in any right-thinking person's book, the lesser of the two Van Gundys, but yes, Stan correct. Van Gundy said, Draymond knows he's not going to get thrown out of this game unless he you know, takes a punch at a referee or something. They're not going to throw him out. So I appreciate that, you know, that they, they wanted to respect the competitive integrity of the game. But it does get a little ridiculous sometimes. Yeah, I was certain he was trying to get thrown out. Like after oh, the you, first tech, it's wow. like, it's like, it's like, okay, well, you know, fine. But he's trying to fire the guys up, you know. But but then after every call, he was doing the gesture. He you know he does the you know the the like arm swing thing, and then he goes he walks over to the ref and he's and I'm sure he's not saying he's not swearing up a storm. And I'm sure he he's an experienced player. He knows what to say and what not to say and how to not say it. But man. There were three or four times I was like, "He's gone!" Like they are. There's no way they're letting him get away with this again. And it just felt. It felt to me like he was like, "I'm done with this. I'm either getting my money's worth or I'm getting run." Yeah, he had a terrible game, which I know we'll we'll, we'll get to. Uh, not to belabor that, but it just speaks to how important it is for him to play better tonight. But he had the one tee, and then when Reggie Bullock ran into him, Draymond setting a screen on him, and Reggie Bullock just plowed into him. And to my eye, Reggie Bullock knew what he was doing. Is like, I'm just going to foul the crap out of him, and he's going to go nuts. And at the very least, that's a double tech, and he'll be gone. Right. So Draymond gets up and gets right in his face, which, you know, normally that's like the first thing they do is like, hey, double yep, tech. tech's and, gone. And they, yeah, they separated him, and you literally had Steve Kerr on the court going, Draymond, you already got one. You already have one. And they just they let it ride. It was interesting. Not as interesting as the fact that the Warriors played better without Draymond on the floor for most of that game. Hey, I have I have a question for you. Do you think he gets run from game two of this series at, at any one of the instances where he kind of you know looked like he might have? I don't want to say was trying to, but could have gotten a second technical. Do you think he gets that second tech if he hadn't already gotten the weak flagrant two in the in the last series? Hmm. We will answer that coming up. Great question. Also, the one thing Dallas must do to have any shot at beating the Warriors and why they haven't come close to doing that so far. 888-957-9570. Kyle Madsen, Waddy Gleason, getting you ready for game three on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 